Happy Sunday morning, Salt Lake City, Provo, Orem, and Colville. You're listening to AM 1280 and 97.5 FM The Zone. This is SLC Culture, a weekly ramble through the autumn leaves of the happenings, the people, the interesting things of the greater Salt Lake Metroplex. I'm your host, Christian Anderson, uh, just a guy who loves arts and culture around Salt Lake City, no longer any museum affiliation, just kind of like a modern-day Lorax. I speak for the cultural trees, for the trees have no tongues. With me today is my co-host, the inimitable Christy Marcy. Christy, how are you today on this fine autumnal morning? I am well. Actually, it's kind of cold and kind of rainy. I'm wondering morning. if you are a modern-day Lorax, what modern-day Seuss character that makes me. Hmm. Are you a star-bellied sneech? I don't think so. Uh, I'm kind of a Grinch. Are you, the, are you the bird that left Horton to take care of the egg? Certainly not. No, that wouldn't be me. I think maybe I am a, a modern day people who eat their butter side down from the oh, Butter Battle book, yeah. which was my favorite that no one remembers. Do you remember that one? I the do. Book? I do. Your favorite, Susie and, and, and as I call him, Dr. Theodore Geisel by oh, his, by his mm-hmm. appropriate name. Uh, do you like the ones about conflagration? Interesting. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Hmm. I can I, see that. I would eat my bread butter side down. Uh, Producer Alex, if you were a uh, Theodore Geisalian slash Dr. Seussian character, whom might you be? Probably either Thing 1 or Thing 2. Oh, that's fair. You know, I always thought that was more of an Austin and Adrian thing, but, you know, I can see that, too. (laughs) You're more of a Thing 2, I think. Yeah, that, 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 that feels fitting. Yeah. Uh, so today, you know, Christy, can you believe we've been on the sh- on the air for almost four years? That's crazy to me. I know. And also, uh, I want to say happy birthday. <gasps> this is our pre-birthday show. Pre-birthday uh, show. Happy birthday to you as well, Christian. Thank you. Our uh, regular radio listeners will know that our birthdays are one day apart. Uh, mine is October 7th and Christy's is October 8th. Uh, Christy takes the entire month of October to celebrate. That's but true. I even took some of September this year since it's a big one. It is true, and so uh, in honor, do, are, are you one of those? Are you one of those people that talks about your age, or are you like the old convention that you don't ask a you don't ask a, a lady her age? I will stop talking about my age when I start looking my age, and tell them I'm perfectly happy to talk right. about it. So it is your fortieth birthday. It is. So in honor of your fortieth birthday, we are going to do. We're going to talk a little bit about you know, the last forty years of Salt Lake City. <laughs> okay. Where we're at, things have changed. I've only been there for like eleven highlights, of them. But I'm happy yeah, but you to know, do that. That's sure. what's called a segue. <laughs> oh. Okay. In 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 the radio parlance. Okay. Uh, and I'd like to introduce our special guest today, Mr. Patrick Leary. Good morning, Patrick. Good morning. You are a lifelong Salt Laker. That would be true. And you, uh, you have had some odd jobs, and you have, uh, you have been able to see things that have happened in the greater Salt Lake Metroplex, including you know, some of our smaller county hamlets, and say, man, this is a place that I can look back on and, and reminisce for the last 40 years of some of the highlights, the lowlights, the little-known facts about culture and happenings in the city. Well, I uh, hope that I will be able to do that with you. Mm-hmm. I have full faith and confidence. <laughs> so, you know... Uh, when I moved here, so I moved here five years ago from uh, from Seattle, and when people thought about Utah, they think of a couple things. They think about the Sundance Film Festival. They think about the Tabernacle Choir, or sorry, the Choir at Tabernacle Square. The 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 Tabernacle Choir at, at Temple, Temple Square. Square. Thank you. I'm trying. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to get it down. Uh, and also the Olympics. Um, when you think about what Salt Lake City was in the greater Salt Lake area when you were growing up versus where we are now. What are some of the things that you think um, 
sort of move the city in sort of you know bigger shifts almost like i hesitate to say an earthquake but you know you have sort of these rumblings and then you have a couple of different seismic moments well, certainly the Olympics were one of those moments, but uh, even before that, when the Utah Jazz moved here back ah. in the back in the day, and I'm going to get the year wrong, but when they played at the old Salt Palace, mm-hmm. not the current Salt Palace, and uh, uh, nobody knew who the Utah Jazz were at the time, but then we were so excited to get them here in Salt Lake, and I remember as a, a toddler, not a toddler, but a young man going down there watching the games and having a great time do you uh you know we it's been a couple of years i think since we had a guest on that talked about their favorite uh utah jazz moment i mean do you have a was there a particular time where there was a zeitgeist whether it was when they made the playoffs with your stockton and malone days was it the the shot do you have a particular uh, a particular pretzel or corn dog from the old salt palace that you just you think back and you're like yes you know, uh, I uh, saw them before the Stockton and Malone days, and I love uh, those days as well. But I remember going down and watching Adrian Dantley play and mm. um, and uh, Dr. Duncanstein, Daryl Griffith, and some of the others. It was a lot of fun back in the day. Dr. Duncanstein. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, my, my big jazz claim to fame, I guess other than the fact that we're recording here at the Vivint Smart Home Arena and are part of the... Larry H. Miller family, so I suppose that's a connection. But meeting Mark Eaton for the first time uh, only a couple years ago, and that man is tall and big. He, he's just a he is a he is an enormous human being. So apparently, uh, apparently his horse is a Clydesdale. I can't even. They've rearranged our studio, and I can't even like look at you to like send you messages that I'm ready to say something oh, anymore. Okay. This is not. Sorry, I can twist. How's okay. That? Yeah, I was just gonna say there's like there's like big and then there's like professional athlete big. When you see a professional athlete and their you know trunk is is they're they're gigantic people. And they they don't look it because they're surrounded by other big people. Right. That's the yeah. I, when I was a young when I was a young lad in Minnesota, um, Kevin Garnett was shopping at the local mall for Christmas and he had to like duck under the normal mall <laughs> door to go into yeah. like Nordstrom. You're like, whoa, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's, I'm very happy to be average. <laughs> you, you are many things, my friend. Uh, average is not one of them. So, so my early my earliest memories are growing up in Minneapolis, and we had uh, at that point we had the Twins, we had the Vikings, uh, we had the North Stars. Um, I guess I remember when the Timberwolves came, but we had some professional sports and you know Division One athletics for Big Ten. Is there something about for a city like Salt Lake, we're bringing in a like what does that mean to a city to bring in a professional you know top tier sports franchise, in in a way that you know completely changes things or what is what does that do to sort of the the collective i don't know identity or psyche of a community i think uh, for the communities who haven't had that uh or it was new to them it was really putting uh giving some identity and putting them on a map that mm-hmm. they heretofore hadn't been on bef- uh, and um it meant a lot to them but it it was an aspirational thing to to become one of those cities to bring those professional sports to and when it happens and then you embrace it uh you know here we are 30 years later with jazz and or 30 years later with this arena, I think. so. I'm sort of glad that they decided to keep the name Jazz. This is one of those things where, you know, the Cleveland Browns, you know, or uh, Baltimore Colts going and becoming the Indianapolis Colts and the Baltimore becoming the Ravens. Uh, you know, Minneapolis, I'm very excited that the Los Angeles Lakers 
kept the name because there's not a lot of lakes around Los Angeles. But, you know, you take something from Minneapolis and you move it to a place uh, away from its space and it, the name sort of takes on something. But it has this legacy of the place that it came from. Uh, I don't know that. I mean, we just had a, a tremendous jazz festival here and I want to shout out to all of the people who sort of helped put that on. But I don't think people think about uh, Utah as a jazz hotbed for the musical side. So it's sort of one of those things that you think is ironic. But now, 30 years later, you know, perhaps it's got some roots. Are you talking about music, st- roots music? I don't know. Yeah. I'm trying to Is make plays on words, and no, I do think it, I do think it's interesting because I have been on the other side of this in the Minneapolis and Seattle. Uh, we lost the North Stars to Dallas, mm-hmm. our hockey team, and then you know Seattle lost the Sonics to Oklahoma City. I think the Oklahoma City would probably be a better comparison because I mean Dallas had a lot of professional sports franchises, and so bringing NHL hockey down is fine. But Oklahoma City is one of these ones where it's probably a market I would assume similar to the size of Salt Lake. Um, and now, to your point, Patrick, you are on the you are on a national stage where people are discussing what is happening in your city in conjunction with Los Angeles or New York or Atlanta or Chicago or places that are seen as larger cultural pulls than I think you know Salt Lake City is, exception of Seg Choir and Sundance Film Festival. So. Well, and Christian, I do have to correct myself. We said thirty years, but the Jazz have been here longer than that, so they're quite part of the community now. So. Where did we get them? From? Was it was it New Orleans? New, New Orleans, New Orleans. Hmm. which is known for its jazz and its Pelicans, apparently, because that uh-huh. is now the basketball team. Mm-hmm. So Utah is for you know. I was watching in a preparation for this show. I was watching one of those old black and white uh, videos of tourism in Utah, and even fifty years ago, it was talking about Alta and how it was an old mining town and then became this winter sports destination. I mean, Utah, as long as any of us have been around, has been known for sports. So, I mean, basketball being an anchor, but, um, you know, the outdoor enthusiast will find a lot of stuff to do. But sports have really sort of been at a lot of, I think, those pivotal moments that you've been talking about. Um, I wasn't here for the Olympics, and I know, Christy, you were not here for the Olympics. I was here for the preparation of the Olympics and then left before they came. But I had many sleepless nights in my apartment on Fort Santa and 11th East when they were constructing the light rail. So I feel like that should count for something. You get a participant medal. Perfect. You a millennial? Participant medal for you. Um, So what exactly, I mean, what exactly did the Olympic do I mean if, if we think about the international discussion around the Olympics now let's I mean thinking about conversations when it's been in Russia or China um, where or even Vancouver where you have this legacy of millions of dollars spent and then people are saying what is the return on this it's actually getting hard for people to bid on the Olympics at this point but the Olympics have left an indelible mark here and so what was you know what was it like to get that and I mean I know Mayor Cordini you know that was a, a capstone accomplishment for her and then what has sort of the lasting legacy been beyond just the sports side but even for the infrastructure and for the community well I think uh, g- again getting the Olympics uh, and all the lead up to that really put us on the international market or on the international uh, stage and our ability to host the Olympics and do so in such a, a generous and Utah way um, again, left an indelible image in those folks who came and and participated in that. And finally, to your point about the legacy, I think uh, that's one of the remarkable stories about the Utah Olympic uh, history is that um, we didn't go broke. Uh, We actually turned a profit with the Olympics, and we endowed that legacy, uh, Utah Olympic Legacy Foundation, that's still in existence today and still caring for those... um, for the different venues in preparation for future games. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know uh, 
I know people have young children. Do, does anyone bring their children up to the Olympic Legacy Park? Do on the bobsled or the ropes course or the I, crazy zippy, zippy zip line? I thing? was there a couple times this summer because I had out-of-town visitors. Mm. I don't ordinarily, it's not the kind of destination I do on my own, but it's a great place to take your mom or your dad or your mom and your dad on separate trips, if you're me. <laughs> <laughs> We're taking him out to, yeah, I've taken the kids out to uh, the Kearns Olympic Oval and watched the uh-huh. uh, speed racing out That's there. That's fun to watch. A lot of the fun. short track is oh, super fun. Awesome. Uh-huh. Do, it, it is one of those ones that I that I do like short track. It is fun. And again, those they are built like irregular human beings when you see them kind of, they're squat. They, they're just, it's, it's fun to see like real world class athletes in the flesh. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Favorite and least favorite spectator winter Olympic sport? Mm. I'm, oh. I'm not going to go on record on that. Right. Either one of those. Well, I mean, I guess I have a conflict of interest because I, I mean, oh, yeah. I'm on I'm on the board of women's ski jumping, uh, so uh-huh. I mean, I sort of have to say ski jumping, but I do have to say, like, I don't know, the long distance, like cross country and biathlon I are, love hard, the biathlon. are hard to watch like it's, I, it's not fun to watch but just the idea of it I just love it so but like, much hey Olaf who are, what are we going to pair cross country skiing with rifle shooting and let's make uh-huh. this an Olympic sport right yeah and having shot a gun, like the idea of shooting a gun when your heart is racing because you've been, you know, like cross country skiing for two hours seems really hard. I'm not sure people give it quite the credit that it needs. So. I, I assume they're exceptional athletes. I just find uh-huh. it hard. I, I'm not. Oh, it's a, crazy. I don't like watching marathons. I don't particularly enjoy like if I'm watching the Tour de France. I'm like watching more for like oh the bikers are in the way of my Alpine Vista. You know, I mean, I'm kind of more <laughs> of a you know I'm kind of a more of a consummate indoorsman kind of person uh-huh. but yeah no i i i'm not saying that it's fun to watch but i love the idea of it um winter sport my I, my favorite is probably well you know how i feel about tanya harding christian do. you love tanya so harding. i love tanya harding so there's that but outside of tanya harding figure skating i guess Probably I would say curling is fun because Ooh. it seems like the kind of thing I could actually do. It does not feel like an exclusive winter sport. You pay, you uh, you have pajamas and you have a broom. Exactly. And a rock. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Uh, Alex, this is for our resident Ask a Millennial segment. Like, <laughs> I mean, what, you know, they've been combining all of the X Games into the Olympics. Blah blah blah. Are you are, like, are you wanting the snowboard cross wiping people out, or do you want a good classic ice dancing? Like, where do you fall? As our token millennial, uh, I, I'm definitely in favor of like snowboard half pipe things yeah. like that. You know, I mean, like that's such a millennial answer, I Alec. I know, but I'm I'm such a millennial, so <laughs> yeah. it works. Okay. Do you have a least favorite one? Is there one where you're like, why is this? Why is this? Why why does someone get a medal in this? I, admittedly, I do have a little bit of a hard time with the with the figure skating. It's just, and I, I don't know. Like I've tried to get into it because I'm really into gymnastics. Ooh. You know, in like the Summer Olympics, I love the gymnastics, and I feel like it should translate it should because translate, it's yeah. basically like gymnastics but on ice now. Hmm. But for some reason, I just have a harder time appreciating it the same way. Do you think that Are you familiar with Tanya Harding, Alex? Yeah. Oh, okay. Tanya Harding, and mostly from the Nancy Kerrigan incident. So. Duh. Yeah, I think <laughs> that's the only thing that See, I really know about her. I call it the time. Jeff Galuli incident, but yeah, we all call it our various things. I do wonder, though, with the sports, like, and, and perhaps this is to your gymnastics and perhaps to the figure skating, 
sports that are subjective. Do you think that that's that's a tough thing where you have to be an expert and panelists go and you like someone wins and you don't quite understand why? Whereas there's something like the long jump. You're like the person who jumps the longest wins the long jump. Scientifically, yeah, it's just like you don't have to. You don't have to be like. uh. Well, as a former athlete in a, a in a sport that is judged, what do you think? Oh, I hated the I hated the style points for ski jumping. I it drove me crazy. I just wanted if you flew down the hill the farthest I just always felt like that should be fine. But it's the vestiges, it's the same thing with Wimbledon and tennis versus some of the other ones where you wear the white togs and all of this. That the theory of, you know, having to have this graceful pose and all of that. It's this legacy of genteelness that I mean, which sounds like it would be something that I would like, but somehow it rubs me the wrong way. Um but were you were you in the government during the Olympics, Patrick? I was. Mm-hmm. I was working over at Salt Lake County. Oh. Ah. Okay. And so did you have to, so what was your, did you have a role in, in bringing it all together? I did not at the time. No. no. I just sort of was a, an observer and a participant. Ooh, did you pop. get time off? I have heard from people who worked for the county at that time that it was just kind of like, unless you're necessary, you should not clog up the commute with coming to work. Yes, that we that is true, uh-huh. and uh, and there was much preparation for the uh, clogging up the roadways, and it turned out to be the warnings were great, and there was no trouble at all. Hmm. Nice. Did you get to go to any of the events? Uh, I didn't go to any of the events I I could have, but I did go to some of the medal ceremonies mm. and stuff like that. Do you regret not going? Uh, no. I have a, <laughs> I have a friend who has this great story about the Olympics came and he was like that's that's it I'm going to get out of town I'll rent out my place for the week and make a lot of money and he was like in Paris or something watching some event at Snow Basin where he learned to ski and he just was like I made a terrible mistake and so I've heard that from a couple of people who lived here at the time that they wish that they had been here and had gone to some of the events but it's cold at those winter events that's the <laughs> I mean, I don't know if anyone's thought of that, but it, you know, it's cold. That's, well. a, that's a good point. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't regret not to, uh, going to some of the events just because there, we'd been so consumed with the Olympic stuff all along mm-hmm. that I, it was by then in everyone's blood around here. And my mom was a volunteer, so she had on the cool volunteer coat and went and did her thing. And we had relatives in from out of town, and they were going to events, so I was, you know. I feel like international events single-handedly keep the pin industry in business, oh, yeah. um, but and Disneyland, Disneyland has a lot of pens. Really, is that a thing? Is I've really never been. Kind to... of an international event. At least Epcot is an international event. I heard this joke today about two blondes going oh, to Disneyland. No. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Oh, economic impact. Um, so when I moved here, I was anticipating that I was going to have to like. Uh, go when I wanted to go to a, a drinking establishment that I was going to have to find a nice person that was going to have to sponsor me and get me a club license and do all of these sort of things. And I found that to be patently false. Now, but pa- I lived, I've lived here 11 years and that was the case when I moved back oh, here 11 that, years ago. I thought that that was an Olympic thing that they got rid of that. Uh-uh. No, it was no that was thing? a huntsman. Huntsman changed that after the Olympics. Hmm. I'm not sure they were enforcing it during the Olympics, but it wasn't changed until after. I was kind of bummed about the fact that there'd be someone at the door that would pretend to be my friend for like $5. I felt like that would... <laughs> You know, I feel like that would create a bond, and you'd it never says really... a lot about you, buddy. Uh, yeah. Hmm. How yeah. Many, yeah what, what was your club eleven years ago? Um, I don't. I my club was at home with two kids. Oh. Yeah. So. So you you had to pay every day 
differently every day <laughs> emotionally every day uh-huh um were there so one of the things and we still get this and i you know i got this when i moved to here too and you know the you know you, there's nothing to drink in utah and all of that sort of stuff um do you feel how did you know how do you feel like that has changed and like when people when when you think about talking about salt lake city and people are saying like you know can you can you drink there what's it like i mean how do you respond to your out of town colleagues or friends or cousins or whoever it would be when when you hear this because you must hear this i hear it all the time and i've only been here for five years well i've got my out-of-town relatives all squared away now they've been here enough times to know that it's a great place to come and in fact when they were here for the family reunion from chicago last year the first thing they did getting off the plane was go to the social acts throwing beer drinking place (laughs) they were way ahead of me Uh so um, yeah. The one by Target on 300 West and yeah, 1100. They, they made a beeline over there, and that was their afternoon. So they they scoping it out. But uh, mm. but you're right. I mean, I was hosting. This is a off uh, a story here, but I was hosting a delegation from Japan, a political delegation one year, and they were traveling from somewhere else in the United States, and we pulled up at the airport in our big van to load everyone in. And they came out loaded with bags and bags and bags of booze. And uh, just, just they loaded up at wherever they were. And we asked them why, and it was that we don't think we get a drink in Utah. I'm like, oh. okay, well, <laughs> going to have a party for a week here. So. Well, it's Japanese whiskey, maybe, though. That's it was. not so bad. Post Office Place has a fine selection I of Japanese whiskey. Was in no, it wasn't Japanese whiskey. They, oh, just, it was just, it was just whatever. Whatever. They just brought <laughs> it from <laughs> Evanston <laughs> or something? Whatever is in the... Uh, <laughs> The duty-free shop? Exactly. Mm. I was in Kentucky this weekend, and what I got from people was not that you couldn't get drunk in Utah, um, but I got a lot of questions about polygamy still, which I thought uh, was really yeah. interesting. Like, I, I don't know. It, it just seems like we should be over that part. Well, the, yeah, I mean, it's fascinating where you have these, these some of these cultural legacies. I, I don't know. Telling people you come from Minnesota, they're like, oh, A, ah, yeah, sure, A, as if, like, everybody oh, totally. talks talks that way constantly like and I, I don't know what do you get from kentucky well so i was on a Ohio field trip in washington uh, here we go i was in a, on a field trip in washington dc when i was in junior high and i remember more than once people saying to asking where we were from and we told them and then they would say but you're wearing shoes <laughs> and i just like finally i was like i bought them for this field trip <laughs> but yeah like that's a legitimate stereotype about about Kentucky. So, yeah, every place has them. Yeah. And back to the economic development side of the uh, back sort of the Olympics is this this anchor. Um, we're going to be doing a ribbon cutting uh, ceremony next week for uh, Infinite Scale's new building. And Infinite Scale, our friends Molly Maslini and Cameron, uh, have built a, a great new building. And that's a group of people that got together because of the Olympics. They came here as designers to think about the placemaking and wayfinding for the Olympics. And now they are arguably the nation's leading entity for sports branding and for stadiums and 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 that and that's here in utah and that's a direct legacy of the economic impact of bringing these people together as a as an event as a cultural incubator um sort of makes me think about when we were in austin for the urban exploration seminar this year that the downtown alliance runs and what south by southwest has done to brand that city and then the spin-offs for all the cultural production there um you know i think the olympics you know obviously had a huge impact infrastructure from freeways to businesses that are is still delivering um but you know what is the long-term impact of like our united nations conference that we was here you know why would we you know 
want to get the Olympics again? What does Sundance do as a cultural driver for these things? And there are real economic benefits um, that that these sort of festivals and event-based things can have. So I guess that wasn't really a question. That was more like a that statement. That really wasn't. I was like, a, thanks for coming uh, to my TED Talk. <laughs> Can I just get a, an amen? Uh, well, I do think uh, uh, amen to that, but I do think there's also more uh, to more than just the economic benefits, right? I mean, it is, uh, as we talk about stereotypes, one thing on the positive side that Salt Lake is known for, Utah is known for, is being an Olympic city, mm-hmm. and that does resonate. So it may be polygamy, it may be kind of get a drink, but it's also, hey, you're a host of a, an Olympic event. Yeah, and, right. and yeah, and and I don't think we can underestimate uh, the global brand reach of mm-hmm. Sundance. Uh, and so, again, I've only been here for five years, Christy. I assume you partook of Sundance when you were here before, and extensively when you were at the magazine. That's I assume true. Patrick, you've dealt with, been dealing with Sundance over the years. So, how? I mean, has that changed? What have we seen in the development of Sundance? Where is it now? I w- I'm curious to think if if you guys think that Sundance has almost outgrown Park City. Oh, it definitely um, has. So there's no question. I, you know, I don't. I I've only seen it in the last five years where it's it's crazy to me what uh, how we jam that city full of things. But I don't know what's what's sort of the legacy of of Sundance in y'all's mind. Well, I mean, it's it's outgrown Park City already. I mean, most there's a lot of Sundance events down here in the capital city and and uh, along the Wasatch Front. So for a long time, it's sort of outgrown. But um, its future is really a great question. I mean, I. Um, because it is so tied to here, and we're so tied to it, um, what the future looks like, I don't know. I can't speculate. Redford had said a couple of years ago that they might divide it into two separate festivals, which I think makes some sense because it is, it is kind of two festivals now, right? There's that first weekend where everybody flies in, and it's everybody wants to be seen on Main Street in their in their fancy boots and their fur parka and then everybody leaves and then it's a press and then it's an industry event then it's you know people actually shopping for films and so if there was some way to separate those two things out I think it does make a lot of sense but it has grown a lot so I moved to Utah for the first time 20 years ago uh, and it has grown a lot since 20 years ago obviously but so has Park City like the, uh, and so maybe those two things are kind of infinitely connected, as Christian suggested earlier. But I've talked to business owners on Park City who say that what they get for rent during Sundance pays their rent the rest of the mm-hmm. year for that real estate. That's true. So how do you give that up? Well, if well, my uh, yeah. But what is the pursuit of the genuine, right? I mean, if you're emptying out all of your shops and all of your things that have Park City character to then rent them out mm-hmm. to places that are you know L.A. and New York building out agencies, I mean, really, you could just do it on a giant movie lot somewhere. I mean, I right? Except for then you're leaving those businesses high and dry, right? Because mm-hmm. they've they've grown to depend on that, that Sundance that revenue? rental revenue. No, I, I I used to struggle with this at Umoka all the time. I mean, when you know we would rent out for, uh, come on, outdoor, outdoor retailers. retailers. And so we would be dark there because we would make so much rental income. And then the counterpoint that the county had, because you know, the county was our landlord, was saying like, hey, you've got all these out-of-town people and we have a cultural amenity that is now closed. And should we not be taking the time when we have the most out-of-town guests and highlighting the cultural amenity? And so uh, back and forth, and at which point I said, these people aren't coming for cultural amenities. They're coming to buy ski things and go drinking. But anyway, but it's, it is, it's a different, it's a different tension. Mm-hmm. So. But your point about Park City growing, I mean, the, the entire uh, Wasatch Front has grown immensely. Yes, that's um, absolutely true. I remember when 
growing up when there was Summit Park at the top of the hill on Parley's Canyon, mm-hmm. and then there was a long stretch before he even got to Park City, and Jeremy Ranch wasn't even there. So, and now it's virtually built in, and that's the that's the Wasatch Front as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, well, we can build. It's. It, I mean, we can only build so far. I mean, the Salt Lake County is sort of a bowl, right? We can sort of go up until Kennecott, and eventually you can only go out so much, and you start having to think about issues of, of density. Um, and in the West, and you know, Minneapolis had this too as opposed to living in a place like seattle or san francisco um we got a lot of we still do have a lot of land and we're still trying to balance the tension of as we build out you know what does that mean for transportation and air quality and and all of those sort of things when do we start having to develop uh density but we still got a lot of space but um so now we're gonna have to think about where do we get infill well, and, and you're seeing that play out in the county level as well. The development proposed uh, out west in the open space by Harriman was very controversial and is still controversial, controversial today. And uh, the county is really wrestling with what that's going to look like because they have to start thinking density. Mm-hmm. With another million and a half people coming into this valley in the next 20 years, where are we going to put them? So why is Utah such a destination? Like, I mean, why why are we getting these one point however many million people in the next couple of years? What is the what is the principal draw here? And I, I mean, I know people say mountains, so I kind of want to take mountains off of the the table because there are other places with mountains. But well, I think it's ironically the low cost of living, like comparatively, even though that has shot up in the last ten years pretty significantly. Uh, and the industries that are here that accommodate that low cost of living and the recreation, which isn't just mountains. It's being three hours from, I don't know, four hours from Moab or however far away Moab is and it's kind of centrally located and having a main airport with a hub that's 20 minutes away. I mean, what what I was telling One people All year until weekend, the new airport opens. Wow. One year. What I was telling people all weekend when I was out of town is that it takes me the same amount of time to get to the top of the mountain and strap onto my skis, which I don't do, but it's yeah. not the, the narrative of the story. It's important. Uh, as it takes me to get to work, as it takes me to get to the airport, and all of those things are 20 minutes. And people just can't believe that that's actually true. I have, I have, my line is that Salt Lake is the city Denver wishes it was. Hmm. And then what people think Denver is. Wow. Take that, Denver. Take that's that, some, Denver. That's some shade. And our, when I did the tour of the new airport, and like there's this big window, and you look out, and the city is just right there in all its magnificent glory. And you know, you go to Denver, and you like land in Nebraska, and then mm. you have to drive for an hour and a half. I think that I think that window was with intention. I, I like mm. to think it was like the sticking it to Denver architecture window. I thought the Rocky Mountains would be a lot rockier. <laughs> That John Denver. I can't say the full line because I would get nope. bleeped. Nope. I would get bleeped. Nope. Um, the new airport is really exciting. Um, but going back to your question, oh. Christian, I think there, I think it's quality of life in the in the broadest sense, right? So it's how you get around, which is still on the on the national scale relatively easy, mm-hmm. even though it's getting harder and harder. But um, you've got tech, high tech is locating here. You got financial industries locating here, and uh, you got biotech locating here with our in partnership with our universities and and um, the people who are drawn to those jobs and those businesses want a good quality of life and a well good paying job and want to live close to where they work and that's what's sort of um, causing a lot of the challenges both facing the city and uh, and the county as well. So. Yeah, and I think Salt Lake is at its heart. I've always believed a college town. 
Hmm. Like I think having the university here really makes a difference and keeps keeps the population young and keeps people downtown. And I I, I don't think we should underestimate the the importance of the University of Utah's campus and its location. What about Westminster? And, uh, okay, well that is a college, <laughs> so yes, also Westminster. Ever in the shadow mm-hmm. of the U. Mm-hmm. It's, see, for me, it's not the U of U BYU thing. Do you want? Are it's you mad I didn't min- mention LDS Business College too? What about Eagle Gate, Jim, Stevens Henniger? All of them. They all make a difference. Thank you. You're welcome. We're, pro, we're, we're general pro higher education. <laughs> uh, does the LDS Business College do they have club sports? Do we know, Alex? Does the LDS Business College field any sort of club teams and anything? I honestly don't know. Um, I don't think they com- like. I don't think they compete intercollegiately, but they might have. You know, like intramurals or something. I'm not sure. Maybe mm. some church ball. Yeah, yeah actually, I, be- I believe uh-huh. that. Probably some church mm-hmm. ball. I absolutely believe that. My, when I moved here, my next door neighbor uh, was uh, B.J. Stringham, who's one of the owners of Utah Woolen Mills. F- a fabulous. Like, there's a five generation local business. Uh, I think that's probably around 113 years. And um, so he was my neighbor for a couple of years, and he ended up building a, a new house. And that was one of the things is he wanted an indoor basketball court. The amount of injuries that I see people get from church ball, I mean, yeah. it is phenomenal. Like my mountain biking friends, like even Tim Cosgrove gets less injuries <laughs> than my church ball friends. It's crazy. But usually the church ball injuries are, in my experience, their own stupidity. Like my ex-husband broke his hand playing church ball once because he punched the wall because he was so frustrated playing church ball. So was that church ball or was that him? Hmm. Yeah. Well, I guess correlation does not equal causation. Sometimes something. it does, though. Something like, were you an athlete, Patrick, in your youth? Uh, I was. I played baseball and mm. tennis and soccer and stuff like that. One of those ones where your parents never made you stick to anything. That was sort of. Uh, <laughs> you just didn't find Ouch. your singular singular. No, I, I struggle with this <laughs> with my nine year old. I'm like, do I let him? Do I let him have a a potpourri of activities, or do I just say like, you know what? By making you stick to one thing, teaches you. Stick-to-itiveness. No, no, no. It was, it was different back in the day, right? There was a, a sport per the season, right? Right. So uh, it was, yeah. It was basketball in the winter, and it was baseball in the spring, and it was football right. in the late fall or whatever. Right. I didn't do football. Good. You, you seem like That's a sh- why your brain is so good now. <laughs> I don't know about yeah. that. Uh, you seem like a shortstop. Are you shortstop? No, first baseman catcher. Interesting. Really? Yep. How are your knees? Yeah. All right. Yeah. I feel like those are power positions. Did you have the, you know, did you have the, the were you the home run kind of guy hitting for power? Uh, no, I had a couple, but mm. uh, I don't know if they were lucky or just, uh, you know, whatever. Yeah, I played, uh, I played through coach pitch and I played one season of kid pitch baseball and I kept getting, like, I was actually, I was pretty, I was pretty good. Uh, and then I just kept getting hit by the ball all the time. And I think I was like 10 and eventually I just got plunked like three times in one game and I just, like, you know, I just walked off and I'm like, I am done getting plunked with baseballs by kids that can't throw over and over and over again. I love that story because... And, and now I'm an is, art historian. Yeah, because it's the exact opposite of my story. My first year in kid pitch baseball when I got hit and I charged the mound and my dad kicked me off the team. So, like, we have been very good friends for a very good time, to- very long time. And we handled that situation completely differently. That says a lot about who we are fundamentally as people, yeah, I, I think. think. I think that's I think that's patently true. Uh-huh. I think so too. Uh, so Winter Olympics 2002, 
2002. Okay, so that is 17 years ago. Uh, so, Patrick, between between the Olympics and now, what have been some of those other sort of big, you know, defining things for this area, for the state, the county, the area? I mean, we are the capital of the Intermountain West. Not just Utah, the Intermountain West. A term also I thought was made up because I'd never heard it until I moved to Utah. I just think it's a term that Utah uses to make itself feel bigger than it is. But, <laughs> uh, you know, just throwing that out there. Um, but, yeah, no, it's been 17 years since the Olympics. Something else must have happened between now and then. Well, you're going to have to come back to me as I'm processing what's happened in the last 17 years. Um, well, well, I wasn't here for it, but one of the things that I hear rumor of is, you know, when the market crashed, you know, some of our local businesses and the LDS church at that point, you know, invested in building Gateway, which was something that I think redefined. No, Gateway was no, no, for no. the Olympics. Oh, was Gateway, Gateway was or, the no, Olympics. Oh, yeah. It's, it's sorry, Creek. City Creek. City that's Creek. what I'm thinking. Yep. Um, but the pull, the building of Gateway for the Olympics, but then building back City Creek as something that has really sort of changed the economic footprint of downtown. Well, there was that, and it actually helped during the recessionary period to keep to to keep things as good as they could be in a bad situation for us. Right? That was a tremendous investment at a time where we needed that investment. So, and that and that's that was mostly spearheaded by the church, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, had, so credit where credit is due. You know, it was a big. We don't have a WPA or a or, or a Tennessee Valley Authority these days, but they stepped up to do a giant infrastructure project that kept a lot of people employed and the subsequent mm-hmm. businesses therein. Yes. <laughs> Good, <laughs> I'm doing state. I'm doing great statements doing, today. Really? Yeah. And then you look at me expectantly. Like I feel like I'm missing the. Let's question. go to your to to what's good for you, arts and culture. So. Um, Way to take the helm, Patrick. Well, we're going there. So, <laughs> so uh, since I since I'm the old guy here and I've been here forever, right? Mm-hmm. I remember the uh, arts festival mm-hmm. being a two or three block. Uh, Blocked off Main Street downtown mm-hmm. with a couple of folks out with some umbrellas and their, uh, you know, selling the, some wind chimes, some wind chimes, yeah, or their, and and that was it. It was fun to go downtown and walk Main Street when you, we shut it down. But that was the arts festival back in the day, and today you know more than anyone else what that festival looks like. I do. I mean, it takes over uh, all of Washington Square and it takes over all of Library Square. So two city blocks. Each city block is 10 acres plus a street in between. So I'm going to say there's about 22 acres, give or take. Uh, it is 660 feet on the side of a block, if memory serves correctly. So Yeah. And the thing that I think is incredible about the Arts Festival is that then a month later, there's another Arts Festival in, the, in Craft Lake City and the DIY Festival, and the city has and, a, a appetite for both. And then a month later, there's the Urban Arts Festival. Exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think that one of the things that Salt Lake City is, and we... I talk about this a lot, and I know that if we loop in your area of expertise, too, is it is a city of festivals. I mean, we have a ton of different festivals. Blues Festival, Jazz Festival. We have Ninth and Ninth Festival, Marmalade Jam Festival, Hidnalo Festival. Greek and that, Festival. Greek Festival, Italian Festival, and that's just in Salt Lake City proper. And that doesn't include what I would argue, you know, I would I might go out on a limb and say that the Rebu concert series is in and of itself its own sort of seasonal-long festival. We mm-hmm. have a ton of music here. And, I mean, we are a city where maybe this is the outdoors things for people like me who aren't like a hikey 
mountain bike kind of guy, but still want to get outdoors. We have a decent weather and a decent space to be outdoors. And uh, I think that the community nature and sort of the, the long history of how of the LDS faith and, and the ward structure lends itself to community festivals and bringing people together. I've even gone to a trunk or treat once or twice, which I didn't a know. trunk or treat? I know. That's coming up. Yeah. I didn't know that was a thing until I moved here, but I've even been to some it's of those. A thing. It's a thing uh, in other places where people are afraid of strangers also yeah the um but i think the utah arts festival i mean it's almost outgrown its space and i think that there's if i think about salt lake city holistically and not just downtown uh you know whether it's fair park or you know down by the jordan river there's a lot of places that um peace gardens uh are underutilized spaces so many of our events happen either right downtown at washington square library square or liberty park is I, I might argue even overutilized, and we need to figure out how to incentivize people to go to the west side of our city and take advantage of the tremendous resources and parks that are out there. Um, because at some point, I would even argue for the Utah Arts Festival with parking and the size of that festival, being downtown, the parking, that isn't even the best experience for the festival anymore. Mm-hmm. I think um, I want to keep it in our in our community because I think it's important, but I want to think creatively about how that festival can can grow. Yeah. I guess that's me taking as political to stand that as I'm going it. to on this show. But speaking of uh, music, Christy, I'm, oh, uh, do you have a question? I do have a question. <laughs> well, it's more of a it's more of a music segment time. As our music maven and music mm-hmm. critic, um, yeah, I think it's time for your do's and do you have a don't? I have a I have a probably don't. Okay, like do's it's not as strongly held as like Mike Love and the Beach Boys, but it's a it's a I would I wouldn't go there if I were you. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, so there's not really anything this weekend at all, which surprised me. But Tuesday, August 1st, Robert Plant. August 1st or, or I'm sorry, October 1st. Robert Plant is playing at the Eccles Theater. And I don't know. There was a show a couple years ago when he first started touring again. Uh, and he was like going to Coachella and he was like playing Bonnaroo. And it was all festivals. And then right in the middle of his tour for some reason was the depot Hmm. um he clearly owed somebody in this town a favor uh and so i was at that show and it was incredible so he's doing this thing now he's got this band called the sensational space shifters and so and i saw him again last weekend actually and he was still incredible and so he's it's kind of like world music but still Led Zeppelin songs and they're still recognizable but they're just a little different it's really and it was very confusing for me because he is a very old man now but he is still very attractive and I had a really hard time reconciling that in my head all of that is to say I don't know how this transfers to a theater show like I don't know how the golden god of rock and roll like does a seated show at the Eccles Theater. Hmm. So so take a flyer on it. Give it a whirl. Why not? Yeah, give it a shot. I I I mean it's Robert Plant. Yeah. At the end of the day, you get to see say you saw Robert Plant, yeah. who has as much to do with what rock and roll looks like now as anyone. Like literally a living legend and he's Robert Plant did the radio station here and and Minneapolis do like the like every night at like 7 o'clock it's time to get the lead out did yours do that no ah jeez you guys uh Wednesday October 2nd at Mm -hmm. the stateroom um is uh this guy named Sikan who is like Europop but he's from Sudan and so it's super interesting again, kind of Sudanese world music. Europop, yeah, okay. it's actually 
Like it doesn't stuck. It's pretty good. Um, <laughs> that's a ringing endorsement. I understand. But also, um, okay, it's time for my favorite joke again. Hey, Christian, how, yes, can, how can you tell when someone's from Texas? I don't know. How can you tell when someone's from Texas? Well, there's two ways, actually. Okay. The first way is that they'll tell you. And the second is um, they will be at the Robert Earl Keene show at the Commonwealth Room this Wednesday, October 2nd, which is also incidentally where I will be. Um, and then Thursday, October 3rd, this is your, I, if, if you're into that, maybe we should talk for our millennial. Hey, Alex, next next week, uh, the Jonas Brothers are going to be here <laughs> at the Vivint Smart Home Arena. Pass. You, you're a Joe Bro fan? Hard pass. Yeah, he doesn't seem like a Joe Bro. A yeah. Joe Bro Bro? The Joe Bro Bro bonus Jonas? N- not, no? not, yeah, no. no. I, uh, nah, uh, the I only music with Jonas the... in there is the Weezer song. Oh. Like, yeah, my you know. name is Jonas. Yeah, that's that's about all I get into as far as that goes. But That, yeah. my friend, is not moral high ground. You said it like maybe it was, and so I just want you to know that it, that it's not, but I see your point. Yeah, no, yeah. Uh, it's just a personal taste. I'm I not was very cool. surprised that they're still selling out arenas. Like, I thought that their time had come and passed. I think the reunion really has like because you know they took that break for a while. Yeah, what, are like the Jonas Brothers years? even old oh, yeah. enough to have right. a reunion? Twentieth. It's like the Eagles Hell Freezes Over tour or something. Oh. Like, what are they doing? All right. Whatever. Mm. Anyway, there you go. There's your music. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Oh, it's a thin There's week. more the next week, but that's that's all we got this week. Well, okay. Yeah, hope you didn't need me to pad more time. Cause no, perhaps no, no. there's maybe I have forfeited my time for another TED talk from you this afternoon. No, no. I do want to. I do want to think though, uh, Patrick. Do you have a particular? So I, I guess I did this with the jazz, but thinking about like concerts, do you have a particular concert? I mean, Twilight's come through here. Red Butte, all of the, all of the music that has come through this city in your time. Do you have a particular concert that you? have been to that stands out in your in your memory well i am not as attuned to music as you two appear to be oh it's 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 christy not me no no i but i do remember um uh going to emmy lou harris at red butte with with our little boy just a brand new toddler so that was his first concert and 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 she's tremendous and it was a fun amazing yeah. yeah Were you were you sitting amongst the people, or were you sitting high and mighty in the VIP section? No, we were among the people, oh, and wow. he was he was Bold. doing the toddler dance. I so. love that. I think concert should be a communal experience. I so. want to stay away from as many people as conceivably possible. So <laughs> I don't know. D- d- you know, it, different different strokes. Uh, so we are part of a two hour culture block. After us is the movie zone with Austin and Adrian. Um, perhaps they will be talking about the uh, success of the Downton Abbey, the movie, which I know is going on to its second week at this point. But, you know, who doesn't love a good Downton Abbey? Uh, what should our movie question theme be this week? Oh, gosh, I don't know, because we've done the filmed in Utah thing before. Yeah, it's right? been a while, though. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a solid theme for for this week. Okay. All right. So, and and that was before we had Alex. Patrick is new. Uh, so, th- what is your favorite movie that either takes place in Utah or was filmed in Utah? That is the question. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, there's only one right answer. That's the problem with this question. Are you going to do Sandlot? No, it's not. The right answer is not Sandlot. The right answer is Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kids yeah, because it has Robert Redford in it and Paul Newman, who was the world's most perfect man. I mean, he made salad dressing. Yeah, and have you seen those eyes? 
I have. Yeah. I've met Mr. Newman. World's most perfect. Wait a second. You've met Mr. Yes, Newman? Of course you have. I have. So when Paul Newman retired from, well, when he stepped back from acting, he was an auto racer. And so he uh, he he would race every year at the Elkhart Lake racetrack in Wisconsin. And after the races, he had this particular supper club that he would go to every Friday night. And my dad and his friends and all that were always there on the same night. So every year we would see Paul Newman right around the same time. And he would sit in the same supper club. And my dad, to his credit, he's like, never bother celebrities when they're on their own time. He's like, he's like, you just don't do it. So uh, some years I might have even been like within two feet of Paul Newman. I don't even remember that specifically, but I remember seeing him every year, year in and year out at that particular steak supper club. Was and my he dad, devastatingly handsome uh, and well mannered? Just yeah. say yes. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Um, okay. Utah okay. film. Can I? I'll grab Independence Day. Independence. Oh, okay. The original Independence Day was filmed here. Yeah. Bet. Patrick. What was the name of the movie? I think it was a Robert Redford one where he was uh, he kidnapped the horse to take it back and rehab it. Did that oh, ring a bell? Um, it wasn't the Horse Whisperer. No, 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 no. It was, it was, yeah, it was before that. Um, very famous one where he the horse was a. He, and he, it's when he fell in love with Sundance. Actually, apparently the story is when he mm. filmed it here, but. I can't think of the name. Well, you know what? That's a good question for Austin to answer. Austin, um, oh, actually, Alex, we'll we'll throw that back to Austin. But we didn't get your movie. I want to give you, I want to give you some. Time. Uh, so, I mean, there's a lot, obviously. Uh, Dumb and Dumber filmed a little bit here. You know, like the Salt Lake Airport was was in that. Mm-hmm. But I, I I feel like I can't ignore Star Wars. Uh, oh. Parts of Star Wars were filmed in Southern Utah, mm-hmm. and as one of my all time favorite movies. You know, Star Wars is just if if, if it's ever an option, it's got to be my choice. So, uh, oh, is it Kevin Feige from uh, the Marvels is going to start picking up the Star Wars fan- Feige, however you pronounce yeah, Kevin his name? Feige, Feige. Uh, he just got assigned to to, to, to a Star, Star Wars. Wars movie. So Disney creeping. Well, I mean, they've always been creeping in on that. Uh, okay, so Austin, uh, we actually have a legitimate. Maybe one. What is your favorite Utah thing? But also help us out with what is. The Robert Redford movie about the horse. What else we got? Takes the horse back forward. Yeah, it's not the horse whisperer. It's something else. All right. Well, this is why Austin's paid the big bucks to know all the movies. So, Austin, two questions for you. Always a fun poll question. Always a good one. Uh, Favorite movies made in Utah. You got uh, SLC Punk, The Sandlot, one of my favorites. Wonderful opportunity for Adrian and I to be a, a integral part in that 25th anniversary celebration out in Glendale last August, August 2018. That was so much fun. Um, and uh, a bunch of others. But uh, good friend of the program, Marshall Moore, was longtime locations manager in the film industry, now up there at Utah Film Studios, and current uh, uh, digital uh, worker up there at the Utah Film Studios, also a former locations manager in the in Hollywood, is Lee Stedman, and he is actually our guest on today's episode of the Movie Zone. He was the location manager for Dumb and Dumber, uh, probably my favorite movie made in Utah, and it is also having a 25th anniversary celebration that we're hoping to be a big part of as well. So that's what's coming up on today's edition of the Movie Zone. I'm not surprised that you would say Sandlot because you are on a sports thing, Austin. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, we're heading into the last segment. Patrick, this is one that is a, is 
a waste of your baseball talents. This is a softball. So we always close the show with the exact same segment. And uh, I always say that I think that the Utah, you know, I guess it would be GoEd or the Department of Tourism and uh, a little bit our friend Scott Beck uh, at Visit Salt Lake. We do a good job of spending our dollars to encourage people to fly to Utah and then leave Salt Lake City as fast as possible to go to national parks or go skiing. Whereas I argue that Salt Lake City is such a cool cultural destination that people should fly here for a couple days just to take advantage of the culture that we have. So what I ask every single guest on this show, week in, week out, the one consistent segment is, let's say you have your cousins in from Chicago and you're going to be a concierge for a day and you're going to walk them through from the morning coffee to the nightcap, just a day of staying in Salt Lake and doing some cool arts and culture things. Uh, some restaurants, some shopping, whatever it is that you want to schedule them to. Walk me through a day of a guest from out of town where where they would take advantage of the, the cultural offerings of Salt Lake. Well, we're going to start uh, maybe at a, a public coffee house and get mm. us some breakfast. Ooh, and which, some which public coffee house? Well, I'm thinking the one up on uh, the avenues. Oh, the avenues. Yeah, yeah that's, the that's avenues nice. One. I like their outdoor seating. Yeah, yeah. and then maybe we'll uh, spend some time uh, looking at some of the historic buildings or homes in the area or even over to the state capitol and down to City Hall to check out the building and uh, lunch at one of our, you know, one of the the new uh, or old brew pubs that are in town. Um, do you have a favorite? No, but I think since uh, I can't remember if it's the 30-year anniversary of Squatters or Thir- is, it, is it the 30? 30, 30, 30, 30. I think it's 30 this year. Right. I think yeah. we're doing a celebration with them, so I think you have to go with one who's been around forever. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, afternoon, I'm not sure what we would do. Go take a nap maybe mm-hmm. and get up for a concert downtown, the Eccles. and. Mm-hmm. World class theater. Uh, do you, like if you're celebrating, if you're having a, a fancy, you're having a graduation or an anniversary, a fancier dinner, a special occasion dinner. Where's your special occasion dinner go to spot? Hmm. Good question. Um, special occasion dinner. Maybe we're going to Cecilia Mia or Ooh. one of those. Good call. We don't. That's not one that we get a ton. I like no, that. No, we don't. Those are good restaurants, though. Um, and I know, uh, you know, with the kids, you're probably not a nightcap guy terribly often. But if you were to say, like, hey, let's do a nightcap, actually, I know where you would go. But, <laughs> but for the purposes of for the purposes of radio, because not everybody else knows, where would you take somebody for? Where, where's your nightcap place? Like, you got someone from Chicago. Like, hey, we got to go grab a drink at this place because we got back to that whole you can get a drink in Utah kind of thing. Uh, Whiskey Street. Whiskey Street. You like a good selection. One of those places where you can climb up on a ladder like you hope that they do in movies and then slide down and get you a bottle. Why does that never happen in real life? Why does real life not imitate art or does it? All right. Well, Patrick, thank you for a what exactly our show is. It, it is a it is a autumnal musing on arts, culture, sports, the greater Salt Lake Metroplex, as we do every week. Thank you for coming on. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Alex. Thank you for your production skills. You are the millennial maestro of the mixing board. Ooh, that's the first time I've got that one. I got to remember that. Millennial maestro of of the the mixing mixing board. board. Yeah, I got to remember that. Uh, My friend, consummate uh, music and critical professional as usual. Happy birthday! Happy birthday! Happy fortieth birthday! That's a big one. It's a big one. I'll bring you cake. Okay. All right. Uh, you've been listening to AM 1280 and 97.5 FM The Zone. Stay tuned for the Movie Zone with Austin and Adrian. Coming up next, we will talk to you next week.